We're rolling, ladies and gentlemen. That means it's time for me, Christopher Cotter, to start speaking. He is... David Robertson. And, and we are... The Religious Studies Project. We've rehearsed that so well. Um, we're recording this as we're packing our bags, sipping our pina coladas, waiting to go to Bonn for an exotic, all expenses paid. Look at these ivory tower academics sitting around chatting about religion event. You are just about to listen to David speaking to Terry Uchrainen about angel spirituality. Take it away, David. I'm here in Edinburgh today. I'm joined by Terry Utriainen from the University of Helsinki, where she is professor in the study of religions. And today we're going to be talking about um, angels in kind of popular uh, spirituality, um, particularly in Finland, but hopefully also uh, a slightly larger context as well. So first of all, welcome to the Religious Studies Project. Thank you so much, David. Let's start um, then just with a, a, tell us a little bit about this kind of angel practices, angel spirituality. Um, you know, who are we talking about? What are the practices? Just set it up for us. Mm, okay. Well, my uh, context, of course, is Finland. But as you yourself said, it is more wide and you can find it elsewhere. You can find it in the UK. There's been studies done in the UK, in the US, in Norway, in Estonia, for instance. Uh, rather recently. Uh, whom are we, we talking about? We are talking about women. This is really the kind of extreme uh, women-dominated religiosity that you can imagine. Usually people say that in the grassroots religion, the practitioners are 60% female, and holistic spiritualities, if you like to use that term, it's like around 80%. This was the Kendall Project mm-hmm. numbers, for instance. And... Uh, w- with uh, angels, the figures go much higher. They are like over 90% as, as far as my, my research is concerned. So we are talking about women interested in angels. What, uh, what kind of women? I mean, are we talking about the same sort of um, women that we would expect to find in kind of holistic spiritualities, for instance, you know, generally um, from the Kendall Project, for instance, uh, mostly kind of middle class um fairly well educated fairly well off these same kind of things fairly well women yes and uh yes more or less we are uh well when we go to finland it's a kind of a perhaps a little bit different society from the uk we like to think that we are more equal in the social way we don't have these social strata as much as you have here but it's a kind of a you know, we fool ourselves a bit, of course, <laughs> yes. with these things always. But it is a middle class. I would say that it's mostly lower to mid-middle class, but all middle classes, but a very um, kind of uh, varied educational backgrounds. A lot of uh, women who work in in uh, caring and uh, education professions, for instance. Uh, women... These women are also interested in other practices, not only angels, but and all sorts of holistic practices. Something that all my interviewees mentioned really was like Reiki, Reiki healing, mm-hmm. and it's one form of energy healing, which is uh, now so popular in in all of the Western world. I guess it comes from Japan through Hawaii, but it's become popular all over. But these women with angels tend to be. I would say, a little bit more towards Christianity because there is this angel figure 
But I, I see a quite a variation with the people that I've interviewed, and uh, I made also a sort of a survey thing, a smallish survey thing, that uh, some of them are consider themselves Lutheran. Mm-hmm. Lutheranity is our like home religion in, in Finland. But then there is the other end who are kind of con- completely disconnected from the church and uh, have their background, for instance, in, in esotericism, mm-hmm. spir- theosophy, spiritualism, anthroposophy. But then there's a third like group of women who come from the secular world, who come from secular families and uh, at least tell me, tell me that they don't really have very much uh, religious background at all. And they got into religion through this. What sort of religious makeup are we talking about in Finland, just for the benefit of our listeners? I mean, mm. here, obviously, um, we're somewhere between uh, 70 to 55%, depending on what part of the country you're in. Mm. Like uh, Church of England or... Yeah, Um, well, yeah, of the sort of state churches, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, England's sitting at about 65 and Scotland's a little bit lower, about 58. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, the number is going down all the time in Finland at the moment. And uh, last year's uh, church monitor survey gives us something like like, uh, uh, 72%. Okay. And the women a bit more than men. Mm. And then the next, uh, like the biggest... uh, Next biggest church in Finland would be the Orthodox Church, but that is a very low low number of of uh, participants or mm-hmm. members. So we are a very Lutheran country still, but the figures are going down. Part of the reason I ask that is I have a I have a kind of personal interest in this subject. Um, there's some people in my family are involved in this kind of stuff. Mm. My uh, grandmother and my auntie, her her youngest daughter. Um, both do these kind of mm. angel cards. Um, now, my family is not a strongly religious family, um, but have become so over time. My granny's now in her early 80s and she converted to Catholic, uh, no, Anglic- Anglicism um, when my granddad died yeah. a, a couple of decades ago. Um, whereas my auntie converted to Catholicism because she married an Irishman. Mm. So they're the two, they're really the only two properly Christian uh, mm-hmm. members of the family, but different, you know, one's Protestant, one's Catholic, yeah, yeah. but they have this angel um, yes. kind of practices <laughs> in common. Now they're a little bit, um, a little bit secretive about actually what it is. The few things I've been picking up is that there are, there are some cards, but w- as much as I got was they sort of identified with particular figures mm-hmm. and these were associated with various qualities yeah. and colors yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Could you, I mean, fill us in a little bit about that kind of aspect of the practical side of it, what, yeah, what it involves? Sure. First of all, I want to say that when you say that, well, please, uh, now uh, through my research, you get the possibility to, to learn something from your family members about your family members yeah i've heard several men tell me that well now i understand my mother better now i understand my sister better or or something like this you know because they kind of get a glimpse of it and Mm -hmm. then the the women tell something about it but don't open up the whole 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 stuff immediately uh yes there are these practices and uh Whereas the, well, well, the angel is, is a Christian figure and we have all this Christian sort of mythology and narrative and uh, 
image uh, traditions uh, on angels. The idea in Christianity basically is that angels are like godly power and God gives us angels and angelic power when he need, he, he, he so wants to do. So uh, this contemporary practice is much more practical for the women. Mm-hmm. So it's a practical religion. And... Uh, and uh, everyday practical religion that uses several kinds of uh, of techniques and means. You used you mentioned cards. Angel card reading is quite popular. Mm-hmm. And the first angel cards that I met in Finland were cards coming from your country, in mm-hmm. fact, mm-hmm. or U- uh, U.S. Uh, now there are also already some indigenous Finnish angel card traditions too. That goes a bit like tarot card reading. I mean, you can either make make like a table right. of them, or you can just uh, take one card for the day, mm-hmm. and or one card for a puzzling question that you have in your mind, and uh, and so you read an enigmatic answer, uh-huh. maybe just a word. Well, it might, the word might be like happiness. The word might be like. Uh, like a balance or, you know, these kind of uh, things that you also might find in horoscopes. Mm-hmm. So that is one thing, but they also have their Im- imagery. And uh, like you said, certain angels may be linked to certain colors, for instance, which might give this woman a kind of a, kind of a lens into her life in mm-hmm. the sense that when she learns either through cards or through somebody that, well, her angel is linked to color green, uh, which would then perhaps be the color of the archangel Raphael, mm-hmm. uh, then every time she's drawn to green, she gets a message. Yeah. So yeah, it yeah. could go like this. But then there are meditations, several kinds of angel meditations, often like a visual journey. You are led to a sacred garden where you meet your angel, you talk mm-hmm. to your angel, you ask something, your angel gives you a symbol or a word or something, you are led back from the meditation, and then you are there either yourself or with a group of friends, angel-minded friends, and you interpret this thing that you got, and you mm-hmm. relate to to your life's bigger or smaller things. And then there is, of course, this more or less uh, kind of um, the thing that connects with this holistic uh, milieu even more is the angel healing uh, aspect. Mm-hmm. There are angel healing courses and you can learn to become a healer, a bit like Reiki healer uh, who heals others or who heals yourself. But angel healing, as far as I know, is mostly used for something that we might call emotional mm-hmm. issues and emotional problems. And I think that this highlighting the topic of emotions and how important emotions is Perhaps, perhaps, particularly to women mm-hmm. co- in contemporary world, is extremely interesting because then it's related to the high numbers of depression and uh, and uh, emo- emotion work in 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 very many ways. Yeah, um, which also might um, I think there's quite high rates of depression and and suicide and stuff in some of the the northern European countries. But that that um, that trajectory of of women and the kind of therapeutic culture is very, very common. Um, um, you see that a lot in, um, well, you see it a lot in the sort of a holistic mind, body, spirit kind of yeah. world here, particularly female, but you also see the same trajectory, um, with men and, um, also in the kind of, uh, 
for you know the conspiracy theory uh, world i uh, i looked at this in my work for instance david ike his passage into um kind of conspiracy theory world was looking for alternative therapies to treat his arthritis mm. um he ended up going to a a, a medium who channeled messages to him yeah um, mediumship is here yeah. presently um yeah but those discourses on you know on healing and and on holistic healing as well the idea that your emotions and your body um are linked mm. um is found right across that kind of uh, cultic milieu mm. um not only in the more sort of overtly spiritual aspects of it definitely and i think that one one uh, like uh, other notion that is very very closely connected to to emotions uh, another e word is energy Yes. Emotions and energy and the ways that you can sort of manage them or you can you can make use of them but you can also sort of control them and like you said channeling is something emotions in my my um materials are often considered as one uh, sort of type of energy. Yeah. One type of energy that works a lot in the human world and uh, as energy is it is it's power and it can be used into good but it can also be sort of if it's let all loose mm -hmm. it can do bad things well <laughs> yeah and and i wondered when when we were talking about the the colors earlier on i yeah. mean that's in, in immediately what i thought of was the the rays of the sort of theosophical tradition where the colors represent different frequencies of energy or different mm -hmm. energies you know yeah. um and that by selecting a particular color you can encourage that particular emotion or energy, energy. Yeah. um which leads to my next question which is all of this stuff that you've been describing so far from using cards for readings healings visualization the idea of correspondences of colors yes. attracting particular energies yes. the um you know even the use of cards themselves it all and and the association with therapeutic culture this all seems taken exactly from kind of 19th century esotericism you know the sort of what we would call you know western esotericism nowadays yet has this uh, christian kind yes. of um I don't want to say veneer, but it, it, it's a Christian framing a Christian, of those practices. Yes, yes. But, well, there always was a kind of Christian esotericism as well. As they have not never been like completely apart, yeah. even though probably some some uh, like ruling churches and ruling theologies would like them apart. Yeah. But there has been much more linkages. Uh, but uh, if we, uh, I might also say that in particular in the context of Finland, perhaps, but maybe this applies even larger uh, settings, uh, esotericism earlier on used to be a bit more elitist. It was not for the whole, mm -hmm. for everybody and for all, all the people in Finland anyways, not, and openly anyway. So now what we see is something like democratization and popularization of, of, mm -hmm. of this esotericism mm -hmm. and uh, bringing it openly with, uh, in connection with, uh, with, uh, Christianity, yeah, and this also, of course, has to do maybe for many things like things that are marketed to us and how popular culture circulates, but also has to do with uh, the grip of the church loosening. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. the church doesn't have the normative power anymore in people's everyday lives. 
Yeah. In Finland, for instance, perhaps here too, but in Finland, where the ruling church was the Lutheran church, uh, Lutheranity meant for those people who were not very religious, mm-hmm. very pious, uh, Lutheranity was mostly a normative system. Yeah. Saying what do you what you do in public life, what you don't do in public life, but this is less so now. I wonder if that it, it it's not only its normativity in the society, it's also the normativity of the scholars and the categories that we were looking at. Yeah. I wonder if this stuff was always going on, but it was kind of hidden from our view because it mm. wasn't considered suitable for us to look at and so on. For the scholars of Britain? Yeah. Yes, and it was not funded. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was not taken seriously because it was not the serious religion. It was the fringe yes. stuff. Yes. And uh, and uh, I have seen a lot, and I, I suppose a lot of people have seen it, that the bigger money always goes to religion, which is considered as a cultural heritage stuff, kind of uh, elevated, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. sublime thing, more or less. Whereas this uh, hobby-level religion with their crazy knowledge systems... Yeah. Uh, well, there is a sense in which you get the the impression that people are, we don't really want to encourage this. No, yeah. Um, you yes, know, yes. If we pay this too much attention, it might be seen that we're taking it seriously. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, tell us then, how did you get to, to looking at this stuff? Mm-hmm. What was your, um, you know, your passage into this? My, my concrete passage into this was that I was involved in a larger project that was run, run, uh, uh, led by Professor Peter Nunes in the Obo Academy University, which is a Swedish-speaking university in 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 Finland in Turku, and uh, I was lucky enough to get to get the jump on that project when it started. And the project is called Post Secular Culture and a Changing Religious Landscape in Finland, yeah. where we wanted to look into the. Uh, into the margins uh, and outside fields from Lutheranity mm-hmm. and uh, and what was happening there. And uh, we were several people and we had several case studies. We started to pick something that we were interested in or that some or something that somebody was already engaged with uh, or something anyways that could sort of uh, give us a good uh, palette uh, sort of mosaic view to to things that were happening and since i was more or less a kind of a specialist if you like in in women's folk popular religion mm-hmm. we were starting to it was not my own idea at all it was starting to think that what is it that that happens in this type of religiosity today one possible thing would have been like healing and reiki and stuff but then we decided that well angels was just at that time coming so popular precisely in finland that we thought that give, that opens up a window through which we can see mm-hmm. some interesting things, and so it happened. And some books came out, and and people get really got really interested in in the angel stuff. And I had a lot of fun doing this for a couple of years, and still have re- writing writing on it. <laughs> fun in many ways, but not fun only in a hilarious way. But also that I I had very nice fieldwork experiences and uh, I learned very much about both the the uh, serious sides of religion and life but also about the less serious sides of it. <laughs> Tell us how you went about the study then. Was it predominantly yeah. kind of ethnographic yeah. work? Yeah, it was ethnographically oriented multi-method stuff. Okay. I, uh, I love working ethnographically. Well, I, I went to, I collected Sort of just uh, went and see what happens, and I put my took myself into those those happenings and situations, 
Like, for instance, there was a yoga school week in, in when I started my ethnography in one uh, yoga school in Helsinki where they have their yearly angel week. So mm-hmm. I went to through that week and saw how the angels popped, these angels popped into the yoga classes, right. which was the, a good start in the sense that it brought me into to meeting young people, mostly young people who kind of were interested in this. And uh, so I couldn't work only with the idea that this is middle-aged women's Mm-hmm. for women in their late middle ages stuff. So I started with that. Then I started to to, to uh, contact people. I used a snowball method to get interviewees. I went for courses. I, I contacted people, said, can I come? And then there was this uh, Irish, very popular Irish, I don't know how popular she's here, but a woman who writes autograph biographies and other books uh, where she recounts her Life with Angels, Lorna Byrne, uh, whose books just then began to become to be uh, translated mm-hmm. in Finnish and who paid visits to Finland and all the visits were sold out. There were 1,000 women with a handful of men come there hand in hand with, with their female mm-hmm. friends uh, to, to, to listen to how this Irish, contemporary Irish mystic tells how she sees the place full of angels and describes people's angels. Well, I made a survey in one of her visits and uh, wanting to know the, about the backgrounds of these, these women who come to listen to her, etc., etc. Then I sort of followed the media reactions. I followed the church reactions. I, I did sort of a mm-hmm. multi-angle thing. So it's, it was very much ethnography then in, in, you know, all of the senses it can be. So, uh, you know, not only sort of qualitative mm. um, interviewing, but participant observation, yes, and and kind of media discourse analysis yes, as yes, well, yes, and also this kind of the smallish survey. I, I got two hundred and sixty-three like answers, so that I could a bit see the demographic things and and stuff. And how how did they they take to you? Or, I mean, how open about your research were you? And how I was interested? very open about my research. I was open even in the bigger settings. Particularly when I was uh, distributing the questionnaire, of course, I told what it's about. And I was open when I went to study as an angel healer. That mm-hmm. was the most participant right. observation part of it. Part of it, and was, and uh, and uh, well, they were. Every, everybody was at that, that time probably so uh, uh, so uh, happy about this thing happening, and uh, they probably considered me as a possible advocate for <laughs> yes. them and taking the whole thing to the academy. I remember, may I tell you one mm-hmm. uh, a nice uh, uh, interview situation where there was this, channel, this woman who channels angels and I knew that she channels angels and that mm-hmm. was one of my reasons for contacting her. And she, was, uh, she also wanted her husband to be in the interview, so I interviewed the, the, the two of them. Before we started the interview... She said to me, we had a cup of coffee, I was at, her, at their house, home, and uh, she said that, what if my angel also wants to become interviewed? I mean, the, the angel that oh, she so channels. Oh, so the angel was present then. The, she said, what if she Oh, comes? what if, right, what yeah, if, yeah, yeah. I said, well, I'm very happy, of course, but uh, 
then I, I tried to make a joke. I said that, but I, I, I probably don't have the informed consent for the angel <laughs> because I wasn't prepared, you know, yeah. because I had two copies. I had for the husband and I had for her. It'd be an interesting subject to come up at the Ethics Commission. Exactly. <laughs> well, what happened then was that after some time of interview, maybe one hour, it was one of the longest interviews that I made, she says that now I think she wants to come. My angel wants to right. come. And I'm, I'm like, okay. It was kind of exciting. I have to admit. <laughs> uh, and did, did the angel contribute yes, to the conversation? Yes, then, then I, have a, I have 40 minutes of interview with the angel in my tape. Oh, and after that, the angel goes away and the woman goes back and we continue. And uh, while the woman has a bit difficulties, as tells me her husband, mm -hmm. in coming back, resuming her own like a, yeah, uh, yeah. mortal yeah. Uh, role, uh, the husband makes the gives me the explanation that, well, it often is a bit difficult for her to mm -hmm. come back after the angel has gone yeah. because there is this liminal yeah. period. Well, now what I have there is an, is an, and I have a subchapter in a book I'm now going to publish in, 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 in Finnish, unfortunately, yeah. but I have one subchapter interview with an, with, with an angel. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But that is kind of a, that was interesting also in the sense, because what did the angel say in the interview? Well, several things, but one important thing was that I have my small recorder on the table, mm -hmm. okay, and the angel goes very close to the recorder and uh, says that, and I want to say this to science, <laughs> 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 and please go and tell this to Obwagademi science, Okay, you know, so it was a very intricate uh very intricate dynamics, dynamics yeah, yeah. that was going on there because was she making fun of me or was she really like uh, taking her angelic, making angel meeting science, not through the, only the people mediating it. It was really interesting. I have, haven't really found a way well to talk about this so far. What that suggests to me <laughs> is that the... You know, the, the the sort of spirit guide is often there's a kind of yin yang relationship, right? So they're like the animus and the anima in union psychology, or you know, the various sort of uh, spirit animals are often the opposite gender mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, so if if she is existing in this modern, rational, secular, you know, supposedly so world, then her spirit companion is the opposite and yeah. so is repre represents to her kind of the spiritual world and that is one which is often count uh, you know set up against mm. uh, science and you know science yeah. as the disenchanted yes, you know the black iron prison and whereas the the spiritual world is the enchanted one and so naturally would be pitted against the rationalism yeah. represented by yeah. science But, you know, there I had them two coming together, and and the the enchanted yeah, yeah, world coming to co coming directly to nearly to shout at the yeah disenchanted world represented by the recorder. Yeah, this, so the recorder is actually representing the recorder that is as there. well. It's yeah. a hard, hard fact there, and and the angel yeah. goes into that hard machine. But happy to use science to make its happy. point. Happy, yes, yeah. but also and also, and capable of doing so, and very capable of doing so. Even consider that it was a small girl angel. Oh, okay. Six years old or something like this, but nevertheless, very skillful in that. But oh, uh, so for this woman, the angel was a, was a female child. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, it was a woman in her 50s and uh, the angel was a female child. Hmm. 
Yeah. Because that's not usually the case, is it? Ah, the angel asked me that. Do you know, <laughs> my t- can you guess why I appear as a small girl? And the answer was, uh, uh, well, in, in fact, I was a bit silly. I, I offered the answer. I offered my guess and she took it. Uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe I should have done else, some, something else. But I said that maybe it is because we are not afraid of children, girl, uh. small girls. Yeah, no. and she said that yes, we the enormous power that I bring is mm-hmm. kind of less uh, feared. When she was she was in her fifties. You said yeah. had had they had children? They had. Uh, yes, they had a child together, a boy, early teens, and one of them. I don't remember which one of them had like bigger children. Too. Ah, okay, yeah, right. yeah. Um, but generally speaking, the um, the angel is a male figure. Often in my material, yeah, um, and in my in my experience as well. Yeah. Um, what is the appeal then? Why is the is it the angel particularly that's the the, the center of this? Not fairies or dragons or mm. um, Thor or yeah. Spider Man. It is well. Well, some of these women have a lot of things going on with a lot of other spirits as well. Mm-hmm. But some. Uh, I might say that those who are considered themselves and identify mostly as Lutheran, they don't take other spirits as easily, but angel is something that they allow in their lives. Mm. Uh, mm, well, <laughs> angels, I mean, I wouldn't mind having an angel, male angel, male angel <laughs> in my life, considering how beautiful they are, how wonderful they are depicted. Yeah. They come as their baby faces, but were the strong, wonderful yeah. wings and, and things. And, uh, well, I sometimes play with this idea because, you know, in Finland, we have, uh, like, if we think about the mortal men, mm-hmm. like the normal, mm-hmm. ordinary men, we have a big number of engineers. Engineers are considered in, in Finland as men, this is a bit chokingly said, okay. but a man like uh, very like uh, reliable mm-hmm. and good in practical things, but not so good always in, in talking about emotions <laughs> yeah. with the women, for instance. Yes. So these I don't women, think that's unique to Finland, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. So these women uh, sometimes even talked about their men who sometimes really were engineers, mm-hmm. and uh, they were sort of uh, not replacing these husbands with these male angels, but complementing the scene with uh, this like a figure which had something male, something masculine in it in a protective sense, for instance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but which was also the perfect male mm-hmm. in the sense that he understood their emotions. Yeah. Isn't that uh, yeah. good? It, it's, yeah, it, it does make sense, absolutely. It does make sense, yeah. And... Uh, yeah, not all of them were male, but a lot of them were. And it, it, it appeared that the Archangel Michael, who is the protector soldier, soldier mm-hmm. is, was pretty much popular. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, two minutes. Thank you. Um, there's going to be a class in here shortly, so we should uh, wrap yeah. up. There's so many other questions I could have asked. Um, I, I literally have a page of them written down in front of me, but I'm afraid we're out of time. Um, thanks so much for taking part in the Religious Studies Project. And um, if you're uh, interested in Terry's work, uh, do seek out her publications. And um, best of luck when the book comes out. I hope it comes out in English as well later on. If you translate it. <laughs> I'd, no. have, I'd have to learn Finnish first. <laughs> 
We'll see. We'll but there are artic articles in, in, in English. Plenty of them come out just, uh, right recently. Some related to ritual, uh, ritual studies, some related to religion and healing, and some related more to gender aspects. Uh, various theoretical angles fantastic and if you're on the website then the links below will guide you to them but in the meantime thanks for taking part and thank you thank you okay after that interview i'm a little bit more mellow i was i was a bit pumped up when we started recording there david and yeah. uh, great to hear that um and it ties in quite nicely with an interview that you recorded way 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 back with ingvild gilhurst on unruly angels yeah way back in 2014 um so the interview with ingvild is much more of a historical overview about mm. how the idea of angels develops and particularly um how it sort of manifests in the new age field mm. i remember yeah um whereas so this one is kind of a nice pairing with that because it's actually much more about its use in popular Christianity um, although there are obvious crossovers, the gender issues for instance mm. um, and the focus on the Nordic countries Yeah. Um, so do check that one out if you enjoyed this one Perfect um, Just before we forget to say it, first of all thanks to BASR, IAHR and NAASR and don't forget to use our amazon.co.uk.com and .ca links if you want to support us at no extra cost to you, or our Patreon link if you want to throw us some money. But um, And thanks to everybody who's done that already. We really, really appreciate that. Yeah. So we're just about to go to Bonn for a conference that's called Hijacked, um, that's been organised by Leslie Durris-Smith and colleagues at Bonn. Um, you might be familiar with Leslie's uh, work through the Culture on the Edge blog series um, that's hosted at the University of Alabama. And the whole um, conference is organized around this notion that there is a, a thing called religion, which is then hijacked or misused by various different agendas. And that's a topic that's come up an awful lot um, on the Religious Studies Project. We're really excited. The, the core reading for the event has been um, Aaron Hughes's Islam and the Tyranny of Authenticity. And there are four areas, aren't there, where we're speaking to? There's the university. The classroom. Media and I can't remember. Probably politics. Yeah, I, I would know. guess so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll find out when we get. There. Um, yeah, but it's it's going to be a lot of fun. We're both speaking as well as we're going to be recording some interviews while we're there. Haven't quite decided who we're going to be approaching yet. Um, there's a few of our old pals going to be there: Suzanne Owen, um, Naomi Goldenberg, uh, Titus Yelm has dropped out, but uh, I think. Uh, Timu is going to be there, isn't he? Let's just start talking. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's not been invited, I don't know. Exactly. We better not get ourselves into trouble. Um, so next time you hear from us, we'll be either in Bonn, um, sitting on the hotel balcony the night before, or in the airport on the way home, um, and we'll fill you in on what happened there. Yeah, but um, as ever, folks, um, it's a sunny day in Edinburgh right now. As we say, we've just been sipping our pina coladas. We're going to go outside and do that now. But to you folks, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening.